Hey, and welcome to Deeper Than Data, the podcast where we get to know the scientists deeper than their science to find out they fight for budding scientists and sometimes struggle to keep up the good fight. Or that they record from fancy locations like laundry rooms filled with plastic protected dresses. Maybe that's just me, your host, Ben Rush. That's right. I've upgraded from my bedroom studio to my parents' laundry room studio. Hopefully the audio will be clean and wrinkle-free. I say this because the intro might sound a little different. I'm also recording a few interviews this week in this laundry room, so you can play the game of did Ben have to explain the dresses behind him to the guest? We have our first returning guest on this episode. Laura Hernandez returns with her patented vulnerable and honest communication. I think this may be our most open conversation yet on the podcast, and if you have struggled during the pandemic, wanted to become a better person, or want to feel heard, this episode is for you. So let's get to the interview after the new redone theme song. Coming back to Deeper Than Data, thanks for being our first returning guest. How are you doing? Great. Um, I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having me. And I am <laughs> keeping it real <laughs> or as real as I can. <laughs> that's, Tight. That's it. <laughs> Just hanging loose, keeping it real. Yeah. yeah. You know, one day, well, one minute at a time. That's where I'm at. <laughs> nice. Well, it, like I said at the very beginning, um, it is nice to see your face uh, and hear your voice. We are doing uh, this. This has been fun for me to actually have you back in my head as the first returning guest because I've had to go back one year. Um, I listened to our first initial interview uh, to see what it was like. And many things have changed um, in that one year. Um, wow, so <laughs> get into that. But <laughs> boy has this podcast changed a lot too and better audio quality i think of getting like the format down but now we've we've destroyed like that regular format because you're the second guest which is still fun um mm -hmm. and like i said you did you did such a great job the first time well thank you thank you i i got some good feedback from some people so i was like glad i could help <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, I bet a lot of people are going to be pretty happy that you're coming back. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Standard like any episode though, we're going to ask you kind of just the, the intro questions. Could you please say your name and pronouns you use, please? My name is Laura Hernandez and I use she her hers pronouns. Fair. And if people were going to bump into you on the street, what might you look like today? Wearing jeans, I'd be out on the street and in my basement. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, duck boots usually, <laughs> nice and, uh, running fast from one place to the next. Um, yeah, a little bit of a disaster, but that's all right. We make it work. You're making it work. I know I'm in the very middle of like who you are, but I'm noticing in your background, are those, 
cows of all <laughs> different are. decorations coming. That's super cool. There are lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you care if I um, get a little screen capture of that? Oh no, please do. Okay, <laughs> they're good talking points. <laughs> I would imagine so. That's like thing about being in person. Like it's it's great to see people's faces and it's easier to connect. I feel like. But this is the nice thing about being remote is you can see the strange things in people's backgrounds. I've seen a treasure chest. I think that was my favorite. Oh, good. That's that's fun. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have lots of I have some mammals over on my shelf and I got my Cowboys banner behind my head. So like it's it, it, I try to reflect myself in my my office here. Yeah, it's very it's very homey in um, <laughs> a good way, homey. Okay, diving back into our questions, are there any identities about yourself you'd like to highlight? Well, I definitely don't have one. I, I'm a lot of things. Um, I'm a mom, which is one that I'm most proud of, I would say. Uh, scientist, for sure. It's a big part of who I am. I'm a sports enthusiast uh, and an athlete. I'd say not as great of one I use, as I used to be, but I still exercise every day sister, a daughter, um, all of those things I think are big parts of who I am. And one that I take a lot of pride in and I hope as is part of the scientist part, but a mentor. Um, and, and being back in person has been great because even with the masks on, it's just like you mentioned earlier, I, mentorship is much easier when you can get that normal conversation going. So, yeah. When you don't necessarily feel the pressure to get off screen and you can't look at yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Our last just brief intro question. What are your positions and roles on UW Madison's campus? Oh gosh. What are they anymore? Um, I recently got promoted to professor. So that was effective um, officially this fall. So I'm a professor in the animal and dairy sciences department. Nice. And uh was a, a big thing to, to get off of the list <laughs> that's continuously growing. Um, and I also have an affiliate appointment in obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, I'm a lactation biologist, which is how those two meet up. So these days, I'm, I'm doing a lot. Um, <laughs> I am the co-director of the Women in Science and Engineering Learning Community, which is primarily first-year women on campus that live um, in a common location on campus, and they're in STEM fields. So I co-direct that program. Recently, though, like the big one is uh, I'm chairing the search committee for the chief diversity officer for the college, which has been probably one of the harder things I've had to do here Um like for a great reason, for a good purpose, but really stressful. So that is a lot of new stuff. Cause I think the last time we talked, you were actually blanking on the exact order that professorships go. Um, but I think you were promoted to associate. associate. Mm -hmm. That was only one year ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been busy in this past I've been, year. Yeah, I've been busy. Yeah. I went up, I was encouraged to go up a year early for professor by one of my colleagues. And it's like, I don't know why, <laughs> why are we doing this? Um, I'm glad we did it and I'm glad it went through. So that, that was good. Could, and you mentioned like you're, you're a lactation biologist. 
Could you just briefly tell us like in a minute or two um, what you research as a refresher to the listeners? Sure. I, I work with both cattle and mice and a little bit with humans. Um, the biology is kind of the same, looking at how maternal health and, and metabolism are impacted during the prepartum and the postpartum period and largely how the mammary gland kind of controls all of that. Um, and the big thing we work on is like serotonin and how it regulates metabolism from that perspective. So in cows, like energy and calcium, largely calcium. And in mice, we've been looking at the use of antidepressants during that time period and um, how that impacts like calcium, um, really recently reproduction. Um, And so with serotonin kind of the center of that. So all about how the mammary gland sort of facilitates biology of the mom. Last time for the listeners, if they want to go check it out, we got into how your research has affected you being your mom. Yep. (laughs) I should rephrase that. How your research has affected you being a mom, not you being your mom. (laughs) That's a little impossible. If you could find that out, though, that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Got into uh, lots of different mammal talk, uh, definitely marsupials, which may come back during this time as well. Good. Lots of other fantastic talks, and I definitely recommend people go listen to that. I, I was really excited to have you back because probably like you have heard for some feedback on this podcast, graduate students said, I knew we're just so appreciative of your vulnerability. You're just saying, you know, what challenges you have gone through, how you've handled them. Um, and I figured that is just something I wanted to showcase more and more of. So thank you. Yeah. Thought this would be another time to just check in. Um, and also maybe be a little time capsule for you and also just to show people like all the stuff that can happen in a year. So generally, can I just ask, like, with all the stuff that you've listed, how has your year been? Yeah, um, it's been it's been like uh, a hard year, I think, like a lot of people. Um, it just was really hard for a lot of reasons, you know, Um trying to teach elementary school while also supporting my students and like keeping research going. Um, and then also like dealing with like the mental health problems and I, I shouldn't call them problems, but mental health struggles that I think I'll, I can't probably say everyone. I, I feel like a lot of people probably encountered them. Maybe probably more everyone than everyone's willing to admit. Um, and I think that that's been the the hardest uh, thing to deal with was like trying to balance all those things and knowing when to like focus on the science part and keep that moving so that everyone felt like they were moving, but also not just saying like, we're going to have a two hour lab meeting and go through this paper, even though I can tell everyone is like falling apart or just can't handle another two hours on zoom today. And it's not, it's not working. Um, so that has been the struggle. And then like my own, like feeling like I have everybody, um, like in my lab, you know, my kids, like just honestly feeling like, uh, an eternal failure every day myself and, and not knowing what to do. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? I, I don't know what to do. And there, there was a lot of that, um, 
that than I've had in a long time. And like, I definitely struggle with imposter syndrome. That's, that's a reality. Um, but this was like being back at the beginning of graduate school and saying like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't think I'm doing any of it well. And so it was hard and I have a big lab. Um, we are like, I'm finally, some students are graduating and I'm glad that we were able to get through some of that because I know a lot of grad students were like, am I going to finish? Is this going to delay me five years? Like, do I want to keep doing this? Um, so it was hard and they were all struggling for different reasons, just like we all struggle for different reasons. And it wasn't like a, Hey, let's have a meeting and we're all struggling. Hooray. Like, how do we fix this? It had to be more individualized than that because we're all people. Um, and that was, and I feel like I made the right decision, but it was a lot of work. And to me, that was the priority then like, I need you to understand you have to like read all these papers and think bigger and become a scientist. Yes. All those things, but, and those are important, no doubt, but I felt like the other part was more important. So, um, you know, and then coming back together, that's hard too. Like we were all like, stay away from people. We haven't seen anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Don't touch anyone. Like, how do I talk to people again? That was all like, something too um i think just having to get back to that was interesting um so i i had planned to write like three grants i was lucky to get one in um i didn't publish 30 papers i think we got five i and i watched other colleagues in line male colleagues without kids at home publish 30 plus papers in one year um you know and that was hard and submit like five grants. And it was like, when did I have time to write five grants? Like my kid was crying all day and I was worried about my grad students. So all of that was really hard. Um, plus the multitude of the other layers of things going on that we needed to talk about and people needed to talk about and it needed to be okay. So I don't know, that was my primary concern and that was hard. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd like to say I, I would almost guarantee the grad students in your lab, at least me too, are definitely loving and caring and supportive of you too. So uh, just know so. that. Uh, <laughs> I <hope> and so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I asked you, you know, just this year, which oftentimes if you meet someone and you're thinking about like the time spent of a year. It's like, oh, you know, I had a few highlights, but this was just in the COVID timeline, had the rollout of vaccines, life is going back to normal, Delta came along, shuttered things back up, then you have boosters and maybe things are okay, now it's the holidays. That's a lot of pressure to then allow people to start seeing each other in person after being worried about other people being possibly deadly. Um, and then you work in a team situation right, to make sure everyone is okay. And you have to have that team situation to then bring in more money to support the people that you need to work on. And that's just in, in real life. And then you also have family and like just the people that like actual kids that are underneath you. So yes, yeah. that sounds extremely <laughs> challenging. It was, you know, I think for everyone. But yeah, I was trying to figure some of the stuff out and what's prioritized. <music> 
really do appreciate you saying that you were prioritizing how people were feeling as well and knowing like they're not going to be as productive. Um, and then it has to factor like in who they are as people. I'm actually curious, like, was that just your gut instinct or do you just, did you see like, that's really what people needed, um, whether they wanted to or not? Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of felt like that in that, you know, like I said, there were, all, there were different scenarios for all of them, but like, you know, like one person was living alone and one had a baby, like one had like things that they had to go help their family with. Like there were all these different scenarios and they were going on simultaneously. And those added layers are hard when then it's like, PS, stay home. You can't come in. Oh, I, I think your PhD is fine. Like, oh, and we're going to do everything on the internet for class. And like, you don't see anyone and you're, you're trying to manage like things that are just tough and a good day. Um, and I knew like a lot of other students I had heard, like, I know someone that was like having three hour, like normal lab meetings, like they would normally where they discuss papers and they go through all the data. And I'm like, they're on zoom like all day. And then you're going to spend four hours, three hours on zoom from four to 7 PM. Like we would come online and I could see it. Like they were just like, uh-huh sure uh-huh yeah uh and i'm like we're not doing this i said so we're having a weekly meeting and the purpose of the weekly meeting is are you guys okay what does our lab manager know about what's happening in the building that we need to know and are there any cruxes that we can achieve to make sure that those things are streamlined and then like i am here to support you but if you don't want to have it like in a big 10-person meeting let's set up time separately so we can work through what, what you need me to help you work through together. Um, you know, and like with, I mean, at least with me, like not everyone wants to put all their, you know, issues out in front of everyone. And I think that's totally fair. Um, and so, and some, some really like didn't need to have those conversations with me. They were having them with whoever they needed to. And that was fine too. Um, so we, I just tried like once a week, we're checking in, how's everyone doing right now? Okay. This is what the lab manager's telling us about update. Like, do we need to fix things in ordering or like space when we were like allocating 300 square feet per person? So that meant two people could be in the lab. So like, make sure you, and this is how we're prioritizing who's going in because of order of like, who's defending and, so, you know, we, that sort of thing, it wasn't like, Hey, then let's like go through this paper for four hours <laughs> too. Like, which, you know, I, I, I want to teach you scientifically, but right now that's not what we need. Like they needed to feel like they were making progress or if they needed to step out and, and take a break for whatever that reason was, they needed to be okay with that. And so I just like myself, like, meetings all day like let's just have meetings back-to-back -back meetings back-to-back -back meetings like sure why not like let's just have some more meetings and you're like my head is gonna blow up if i'm on one more meeting like what else do you want from me so that i could see it from them too and it, it wasn't doing anyone any good they were just everyone was more stressed out so um 
I, that was the decision I made. And then like, I'd meet with them independently, you know, about like research progress, or if they wanted to talk about whatever else we could just do that together. Um, and so sometimes it'd be like every couple of weeks when they were ready to like have a meeting where we did that. Sometimes it could be three weeks, like, but it was then more at their own. Okay. I can handle this right now. Like I'm ready. I can do this. And I feel like everyone just, there was so much weight in the world about everything that some days, like, I mean, who, sometimes I didn't want to get out of bed. The last thing I wanted to do was talk about my research. I just wanted to stay in my bed. So I, I tried to be as cognizant of all those things as I could. Um, and then really prioritizing, like, are you sure you're okay? Um, are you getting what you need? What else can I do to help? make that work so so i would imagine part of being a mentor is so if you if you're noticing like someone is not maybe doing okay when i don't know either looking tired disheveled maybe not being their typical like personality did you have a strategy for talking to them about that because I, I feel like it can be difficult especially if people aren't always comfortable sharing right so what I would do is I would then like, you know, I'd say, can we ha set up a time to talk, um, you know, and and then I would broach it from there. Like, let's talk about how you're doing. And my students, for the most part, like at the stage where they at they were at, I knew them fairly well. Like I had a couple of newer ones that I I didn't know as well, but like I would just send them a text message or a call and be like, hey you know, how are you really doing? Like, just what can I do to make it easier or whatever, whether it's like, take, like, let's take a week off of this. Let's just not, maybe you just need to not do this for a week and then we can come back, we can re-enter or like, do you need to do something else for a little bit before we come back to this? Um, and just tell them, you know, like, I know maybe you don't want to give me all the details, but I can tell you're tired and I can tell like, you know, you, this, you're just not here and that that's okay. Sometimes I'm not either. Like I'm just not here and I need to check out. And if that's the case, then like, let's do that. I don't think, you know, continuing to try to do it like at such a level that you can't, really accomplish anything or you're making mistakes that's not helping either like maybe you need to take a step back and um so you know i knew what like kind of the big the big things were that that could trigger like uh going and back or really not being engaged like that were hanging over most of them so you know like i just talk to them separately and say like hey how's that going really like, are you sure you're getting what you need? Like, how's your family back in Brazil? Like, are you sure they're okay? Like, and, and they would just talk to me separately about it. And that's why I tried to set them up that way because, you know, I just said like, look, I know you don't all want to share this with each other. You have a ton of things going on and it, it's not everyone wants to be open about what their fears are right now. And that's fine. Um, I just want to make sure that like, if you need time off or, we have to take a step back that I can facilitate that rather than you putting yourself in a big mess. 
um, that isn't going to be conducive for anyone. Um, you have to know when to take a step back. Yeah. And this is also such a strange question or time because I think in the United States, I think there's a difficulty in directly expressing what you need and want. Mm -hmm. And then in addition, we're going through a period of time where we really don't know what we need or want because no one has experienced anything like this. I wanted just to say like kudos to you for prioritizing that and managing all this at the same time like I'm not in favor of the burnout culture so I know you were working a lot and I just hope like you got enough to recharge yourself and one of the questions I wanted to ask you too is because I I have actually just heard through the great friend the people that I've run into is like oh working with Laura working on these different committees now it's like oh cool you know Laura's the perfect person to do this but I know that's also extra work you do for yourself to recharge i'm having to learn to rein it in is what (laughs) i am like very uh much taking um i yeah i'm learning to have to rein it in and i've had a couple conversations like with my chair and and he's like actively trying to push me to rein it in more and so i'm starting to like get rid of some things that aren't as high priority to me. And I have a colleague who told me once, you know, she's like, give it your all. She's like, but don't do things that don't like that. You don't have passion for like, cause you're going to keep getting asked to do things because you do things, you do them well, you do them way ahead of time. Like, and of course they want you on the committee cause they know the work will get done. Um, and so I'm like, I'm wrapping some things up and then I'm like, I'm not doing those things anymore. Like they don't, they don't give me like happiness. Like I do those things because they make me happy or I want to see something change, you know? Um, and so I'm having to figure out how to, um, get out of some of those things. And, and I have, like, I've said no to a few things and I have like plans, exit strategies, we'll call them from some others, thing that's been really hard and I'm sure it's because of how much I care about it but I've been doing a lot with climate and diversity in my department as well as within the college and that's been so hard so so hard um and I care about it a lot which is why I keep doing it but it it is emotionally very hard too so trying to like balance some of that and my husband helps because he's like absolutely not you will not do that no and i'm like okay all right thank you i can just say that you told me i can't yeah that is helpful when you say it's it's hard is it because of like because i also do some of that work in my department and i i think one of the hardest things for me and maybe this is also part of the hardest difficulty for you is just the pace that it can just take a lot of time to get people together in one space for like an hour and a half to talk a little bit. And then we maybe don't meet for another month and a half or something like that. Yeah. The pace is part of it. And then like, and this is where I think we get over some of this and it's going to take time. Is just that no one likes to have hard conversations and talking about how someone feels or how they might feel in a certain situation is not fun. They're not pleasant conversations. And in general, people don't like to be in uncomfortable situations. 
But I also think like scientists, at least generally, are not like good at that either. There's a reason they're scientists because they like to sit there and pipette and like write and like put their blinders on. Not that they're not good people, but it's like, oh, we have to talk about feelings. I don't want to do that. Like that's why I'm a scientist. So I don't talk about feelings. Um, so that's been really hard. Uh, it's always been really hard, but it's hard now because like now I'm like the person that says all these things. And so I like get up there and I'm like, what? (laughs) And like, I, I don't like being a jerk, but sometimes I'm like, I tell my chair, like, what is going on here? Like, why are we, why is this a thing? And Climate and diversity is hard because it's a hard, you know, and I, I will say one thing I'm super proud of them is I got a raise for the grad students in my department. Nice. Like I, I beat that. <laughs> I beat it until it like happened. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of people hate me for it, but I'm like the grad students deserve to make more money so what are you talking about on behalf of grad students thank you for that <laughs> no problem <laughs> i used my my like foghorn for that one yeah i i do definitely think like you're saying scientists aren't bad people but the option that we have to do experiments where we can control lots of things doesn't help us in trying to <laughs> like look back at ourselves and reflect Um, And I think we take that approach where everything can be method or method based, that it can be a perfect like approach to any work that we do. Right. But we at the same time kid ourselves that science is not biased or not influenced by emotion. That's really interesting. And it's not like I said, these are not easy conversations to have. Um, And you know, and it's definitely not like any group's fault in particular, whether you're talking about gender or race or like position within the university, like they're all amazing perspectives, but it's like, okay, take all the pieces. Like, let's come to like a negotiation of where like, it's not all their fault. It's not all their fault. There are like people that are just terrible people like that happens, but you know, let's have a discussion, but no one wants to have a discussion. And, and that's, that's, what's hard. And that's like, sometimes it's really soul sucking when you're like, Oh God, I'm really tired from this now. Like it hurts when this happens. Did you learn it like in this past year, how to have this harder conversations better i don't know if i'm doing them better but i i've, I've certainly em- employed a lot of different <laughs> tactics or methods to try to to do it and the thing where i've seen it really work the best is like when people come they have to be like okay i'm here and i only know what i know and i know what i know is not like perfect but I'm here and I really want to talk to others who are not like me and be honest about it so I can learn more. And we, I had like, we did a book club um, within the Cal's EDC with a group of individuals. And 
the people that did it were like totally honest, totally open. And like, because we were all that and it, it was just like obvious and we had a really like different, it was a small group, but like very different backgrounds, very different everything. I have so much respect for everyone in that group and like their willingness to do it. And we made some progress. Like it was, and all it was was thinking about something from like, how did I get this opinion? I have this opinion, you know, these are the things that happened in my life. And then someone else was like completely, this is how I got here. And you're like, Oh, I could see how they might've arrived at that. Like, okay you know, I don't agree with it at all. And sometimes they don't agree with it anymore. But that was like an evolution by talking to people that are different and exposure and just process. And so that's when I see it really works. Um, you know, and, and that's hard to get a bigger group on, on board with because a lot of people I would imagine even like with our chief diversity officer search, I think it's super important. And I think we need it because we're all just a bunch of people trying to help, but I am not an expert in that area. Um, and I rotate off these committees like all of us do. And if we're going to do good work and and move the bar forward and be a more inclusive space and be able to be honest with each other, you need someone who really knows how to do that, like as their 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 actual job, <laughs> like you know, um, and have all these other people that are supportive. But um, I'm sure, and I'm sure a lot of people just think it's like, oh, they're just doing this so we can check boxes, and it's not about box checking. It's about being open minded, um, and you have to come to the conversation open minded. And not everyone wants to, not everyone cares. A lot of people hate it. Um, and those are hard. It's really, really hard. Um, yes, it's really, really hard. My, my 10, 10 year old keeps asking me like, mom, I don't understand. Like why, why do people act a certain way? And I'm like, I don't either. It's what they've been exposed to. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and she's like, but it's mean or it's hateful or it's hurtful. And I'm like, I know. I know. I think also too, um, at least like what I can tell the best way to like tackle someone who has ideologies that are hurtful or mean is listening and spending so much time one-on-one. -on -one. And when you're trying to do things at a committee level or reach a lot of people, it's, it's so difficult to change. Cause I mean, it sounds like the, group that you had that was very open-minded and brought like new ideas together also spent a decent amount of time telling their stories and it's unfortunately just not how a lot of universities businesses or any like structure works inefficient quote-unquote efficient because you're like it's not efficient from a as they would call it like you said quote-unquote because of an hour to output basis sort of thing it is it's the long game. It's the marathon. Um, and you have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, and it's frustrating. Uh, and if you really care, it hurts a lot. Um, yeah, I, I hurt a lot. <laughs> like, like in the heart I hurt because it's just, 
it's hurtful and you're like why why (laughs) but you have to be like I have to be open-minded too enough to listen to why it might be or where their perspective is from and and that's like you said it's the listening and the constant conversations with people Um, but it's not a committee thing it's like a five people together for like 20 hours in a month and you're like okay and then you continue to work together but like a really intense thing um and so you have to be willing to do to do that yeah not in the same caliber of like affecting um maybe the whole uh college but within like my department since i'll be graduating in spring i will naturally not be Part, I will not be a graduate student anymore, so I can't be that person on that committee. And so the work is not done by any means. And so I'm thinking in my head, like, well, who's the next person that can replace me? And I think we've got, you know, a few people that can do that. I, hopefully it's the same position for you, but maybe not. Like, I, I could feel like that could that would be another place to have your heart hurt if you're like... To save myself, I have to stop doing that. But like, there's just not going to be exactly the same replacement. That's why it's like you asked me about like not doing so many things. That's part of it. But that's part of what. So even as a scientist, you know, you tell students, which is something I had to learn. You can't do everything alone. You have to work with your lab mates. We have to work as a team. Because you cannot do everything by yourself. And in science, that's not how it works. Like you need to work with other people and develop those relationships. And, you know, so if you want to put it in a science context, it's about that is like garnering trust with others and getting them passionate about like the science or whether it's climate and diversity and and showing them what you've done and then being like, okay, like now you can continue this forward and I think that's part of what someone told me the other day that part of what allowed them to step off their department's climate invert diversity and they were like did everything for the department was they said you know now I have them doing it that's what the point is it should be the people that don't understand the importance that you want to build it and have it there and make it like a thing that's super critical because you really care, but you build the structure so that like you kind of start to get some people joining on the edges and then like they take over. And then when they do that and they actually care, that's when you're really starting to see some change because they, they buy in, like they're buying into what, um, what you're saying. And it should be easier. It should just be like, you should be a nice person. <laughs> like, I don't understand why it's not like that, but that seems to be the way it works, right? Like, all right, I've got you on my team. Okay, now you're the leader. My work is done here. You should be able to do this. But we all, as scientists, like to, we're like type A. We're the only one who can do it and do it the right way. And that's hard. It's a hard thing to wrestle with. So, yeah. Well, I, I also think like you've, you mentioned trust and, you know, bringing people on your team I really have just learned that every single relationship that you have in your life and every single community that you have in your life, it takes time to just continually foster that relationship. 
and even it takes time just to remain like on a flat line of even uh-huh. no progress going <laughs> yes. forward. Um, otherwise, it just I think naturally deteriorates. People are busy, and it's through oftentimes no fault of their own. But it's like, and if we go back to the return on investment per hour basis, um, it's not always seen as efficient just to have like conversations like we are having right now. Um, although, like, I think this that's is, a super excellent point. Thank it's, you. <laughs> it, no, it is. And it, like, you learn this as you get older, like you get busier, you have more responsibilities and you're like, okay, how many hours do I have in the day? How many days are in the week? Like, what can I do? Because it, it takes time. You have to like, and you also have to give like part of it has to be that you're willing to just be there and listen and be the support person today which means you're like, all right, I'm setting this hour apart. Like these people are important and I need to give them that, you know, because that's an important part of being a good mentor mentee or a good like son daughter or a good partner, like being a good human is it's about that. You have to also give. And I think that applies to everything. And I, I found like, some of the assistant professors I mentor, they're like, how do you get into these things? And why do they ask you to like be involved in ERP and put you on a grant? Well, I, I give time. Like I was on IGPEN's graduate committee for like four years and I had to tell Dave this year, I just couldn't do it because I'm writing an R01 and I haven't had enough time to do it. And I had just had to, and he's like, you need to be selfish. It's okay. Um, like, but it, and, and that's why, because I, I, I would gladly like give my time. And when you do that, then when you, you call and you're like, I really need help. I'm stuck here. I don't know what to do. They're willing to give you time because you've given time and time is time is money, right? <laughs> like what's what they say in wall street. I don't understand wall street, but like time is money. <laughs> um, but Time is what builds relationships and good relationships go a long way in climate, in your lab, like in your life. Um, I, and I personally, that's how I was raised to be like, is that's what you do. Like you show up and you're a good teammate or a good friend or a good whatever. And when you need help, then you know who to call because you know who you can rely on. Yeah, I I would go a step further beyond saying time is money and <laughs> say it's probably the most precious resource that we have. And I, that's someone else's quote for sure. I've been extremely busy and I don't even have kids, pets, home or anything like that yet. Um, but I, yeah, sometimes I consider just like adding one more thing that just seems like so difficult to do. But Mostly started a tradition of having like Sunday coffee in the morning and just going on like two or three hour walks with a friend. Um, and that powers me, I feel like, for a couple days. So are there things like that for you? Yeah, so I um, I run. That's one of the things I do. And I have a friend I run with. And like when either of us can't run together, like it's, it's kind of a bummer because we like we go and we... <laughs> and, we basically like complain or like talk about <laughs> something great that one of our kids did or didn't do when it's driving us nuts. And 
and like that has that got me through a lot of things but it, it really like in the pandemic like it was like if I didn't see Mike the only person I saw was Brandon and my kids and same with him and like in reverse it's like this is this opportunity to kind of get out and do that um so I do that and I've like redone some things with my time on the weekends where like I you know I'm really set like a construct for how much work I can do and like being present for my kids. Um, and, and that has helped like with that part of feeling like I'm a terrible mother. <laughs> and, you know, one thing I've had to do because my, my daughter is like older now and a little busy, like I have to take her to soccer practice and it's at an early time. And so I'm just like, I look lab, on these days I'm leaving at 3:50 because I have to go get her and take her to wherever the heck I have to drive around this place. It doesn't mean I'm not reading your email later at night to read, but if you want to see me in person, like I'm, the door's open, <laughs> but at that period I got to go. Um, but I'll read your paper tonight or something like that. Or just like walking down to the coffee shop, like with a friend or, you know, just things like that. Um, and I've been trying to prioritize things I find joy in. And, and that's where I, especially during this year, have had to reevaluate, like, what do I really find joy in? Um, and, and what do I love? And so, like, I will continue to fight for grad students <laughs> until they kick me out of this place because I find great joy in that. And I, I'm not a perfect person, but I believe that, all of you work hard and should be treated fairly and, and, and be able to live in Madison without like having to give plasma twice a week or like whatever, you know, these things that I know are happening. Um, but I'm not going to do some of these committees anymore where it's just like, they want me to do it because I'll do it on time and be efficient. And, you know, they, they know that um, about me and that I'll say yes, because I'm not good at saying no. Um, so I've been trying to do stuff like that. Um, and then just doing things like my husband wants to do. And sometimes it's just like, he's like, let's go take the dog for a walk. Um, and, and trying to listen better because I feel like my mind is out of control at all. Cause like 80 things are going on at the same time. So I'm, I'm trying to listen to him better, which is good. <laughs> he's like, you were listening today. And I'm like, trying very hard when you talk to me to hear you <laughs> and process it. Yeah, I would be really curious to see like in an ideal world with if graduate students were not that they need to make like tons of money, but if they were paid a bit more, if there was more I guess a level playing field in idea generation and respect in a combination of like mentoring down and mentoring up, managing down, managing up, just like the the production and happiness that could happen with that in science. I feel like that'd be pretty revolutionary. I think so. And it's hard to change, you know, we're still in this like, I feel fraternity induction nonsense which is like oh well back when i was in grad school i made six thousand dollars and blah 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 and i'm like that's great like okay but like 
don't we want it to be better? Like that was awful. (laughs) Like I felt awful. I was treated super poorly by a psycho and I made no money and I went into debt out of my eyeballs because like I couldn't afford to go to the doctor and it was expensive to live and yay. (laughs) Like I made it finally at 40. Woo. (laughs) I felt I, and I sit there and I listen to that and I'm like, I'm the mindset that like we want to leave things better than when we entered the world, whether that's like your job, the earth, like things. I mean, you come here and I just feel like you want to make things better. So I don't have a, a reason to make them suffer just because I suffered. Like you're going to suffer anyway because grad school is not easy. Like, it's not an easy thing. Otherwise, everyone would go and get a PhD in science. But, like, so, again, like, I, you know, I, I know someone that was, like, selling plasma twice a week for the whole summer. I'm like, eh, this is, like, what are we doing? Like, this poor guy should not have to be doing this. This is not right. Um, and I, that's where I... You know, I didn't have a partner when I was in grad school. There was no one to share the burden of cost of anything with for me. So, like, I was, it was just me, like, doing it. And, and that was okay. Like, I made that choice. But it also put me way behind, like, maybe someone who had a partner that worked full time or, you know, a number of things. And I just don't see any reason for making it bad like we don't need to pay them eighty thousand dollars a year like i don't think that's fair i mean i was making 84 when i started but like twenty four thousand dollars to live in madison it is expensive to live here there's a reason i don't have a house like but you know in in downtown madison i live in in downtown middleton instead like because it's it's not cheap and so I like I just don't I don't think that that is the right attitude to have, you know, if they don't have to worry about, like you said, how am I going to pay because I had to go get a prescription this month? How am I going to pay my rent every once in a while? It's not ramen or mac and cheese or whatever. Like, you know, it's so I, I just don't understand that concept. And I think in addition because with reason, I feel like it makes sense, like getting provided resources for mental health or like check in, go, go work out, eat healthy, get your sleep. It's like, I would love to do all of that. But sometimes that also costs money doing activities that I, you know, that re-energize me. It also costs money. And yeah, the idea to, to do things traditionally for tradition, tradition's sake, uh, I hate that mentality so much so much because there have been horrible traditions in the past that we're better as a society for stopping them for sure yeah so i try i try yeah and i think i it's noticed i mean i i am one person you know speaking here but i would not be back or invite you back on this podcast, if, if I didn't feel like you were doing good work and also not, I mean, not only good work, but you're, you're the person who I think also embodies your words. Um, I, I think there's to. truth in your words. 
um, in your actions as well. So thank you for that. I try really hard. I'm curious. One thing that I've I've been considering, and maybe it's, this is also tying into you saying no a little bit, and now having maybe quote unquote more security with being a full professor. But been wondering like what I really want out of life, like my whole legacy and what can be lasting impact. Um, which may be rattling around your head as you're figuring out what brings you joy and whatnot. But have you considered what you want to leave behind? Great question. I think um, when it really hit me, and it's just taken, and I'm still not super great at it, but when it really hit me that I, I needed to figure out, like, why I was driving myself into this, like, broken down, you know, immune suppressed disaster was when I woke up on an ambulance after having a seizure in Costco. And I, I, so I have epilepsy. I didn't know at the time that I did. Um, and you know, I was just at Costco with my family the day before the Super Bowl, like getting things. And I woke up and I was like, where's my family and why am I on an ambulance? Um, that was really scary. Like I, this was three years ago, three and a half years ago. And I'm like, I have a soon to be one year old, like a seven year old. Uh, I can't like, I don't want to die because of my job. Like something is not working here. And like, I know I'm doing a good job and, and I do love my job. And sometimes when I say I'm going to quit, my husband reminds me, he's like, you love mentoring. Like you would be bored out of your mind. You just got to remove some things from the plate. But I really just want like in, in general to be known as like a good person who who knowing these like power dynamics that I don't know will ever go away. Like, I don't know. I hope they do. Like, I think power dynamics are ridiculous. Like, I just think it's terrible that you can use your position to hold someone hostage in some way. Um, And I hope they go away, but like that I can help people that, you know, when I was in those positions, to have had someone who could be that voice for them um, somehow, whether it's the grad students as a woman, as a Hispanic woman, you know, of color, who's like been treated like garbage to, um, you know, as a, as a, a, you know, minority woman in science in a department where like, I mean, we're starting to increase the number of women, but the the gap is still real big, and they're largely older white men. Um, and you know, just that I can I can really try to use whatever I can to help, like in my own way. And I, you know, I I am not gonna save the world. I wish I could, but like, can I help? things change on this campus, you know, within my college, within the department, so that at least like more people who look like me want to come here and stay. I would, I would hope so. Like, cause sometimes I wonder why I stay. Like, I don't always feel like I fit in Wisconsin, um, being who I am and where I'm from. Um, and, and that's sad. Like that is really, really sad. And so, 
that's what I really see. Like I'm here, we can have our own impact somehow, like, but we're only one person, each of us. And so I, I try to like do that some way, like that my kids are good people and like want to do good things and be good human beings. And that the students that I mentor, like, yes, that they get the job that they want and, and got a good graduate education from me but that they also felt like I value them and treated them with respect and like, you know, was their advocate too um, when they needed it. Um, it doesn't mean that like we don't have disagreements or that things don't go wrong, but they always felt like they could come and I would, regardless of the situation, help them navigate it. And so that's really what I see myself doing and like making sure my husband doesn't <laughs> want to kill me some days uh, no he doesn't want to like I, I definitely found a good partner in life um and that who like respects what I'm doing and understands the like the time that it takes and and supports me in it so that's the one thing like you know I I tell students to like whoever your partner is like make sure they they see you and and I was lucky enough to find someone who did as my mom said, when we got married, she's like, you can give her back. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> you bought it. We are done. <laughs> it's like, thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> but I, really, it's just that is like trying to do what I can in my position to make things better for other people. Um, because I hate pe seeing people suffer. I am a total empath. Um, like, I feel things really deeply, which is why my husband tries to keep me away from the news, which isn't working. And like, I wish I could go fix it. And he's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, you can't. And I'm like, but I can, how can I please help me? Um, and so I, I'm trying to find the things in my job now that like, all right, that's not doing much. Like, and I, it's not a priority. Like these things are a priority. And maybe one day I'll over the course of years can like break down that wall. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it really needs to be done. And I, I feel a lot better knowing that there's someone using their power that they have to help open doors. I think for those who are, don't have as much power yet or resources or might not even have that door open to him by society so thanks thanks again laura <laughs> uh, my pleasure it's like i said it brings me joy yeah we'll have to talk more about that because i feel like that's you know I, I was mentioning like my legacy as well part of this podcast is to share these conversations with graduate students to make sure they they know that they aren't alone in their struggles um and i've heard that it's helped people in their darker times when they've got their considered quitting or just in, you know, absolutely horrible moods. Yeah. We'll have to brainstorm, like, how can this go forward? Cause I, as I'm wrapping up my time as a graduate student, I, I go back and forth thinking like, okay, like I'm still relatively fresh to know the challenges of graduate student at the same time, like this podcast at some point should probably be taken over and hosted by someone else as I will just like get out of it. You know, I'll be, I won't be as fresh, um, which 
makes sense. But then it's like, I have to go on to the next thing to continue. I've got that like, man, I'm, I'm very excited to get out of graduate school. Um, and like, again, too, I feel like I've had a pretty lucky time at everything. But still, it's like, I would like to earn more than $28,000 a year because I would like to have retirement savings at 30 or maybe a house, maybe a dog, right. uh, maybe take a trip every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I know, <laughs> we basics, just started doing that. <laughs> I'm yes. sorry, that doesn't make you feel any better. <laughs> um, maybe, yeah, the world like settles down a bit. Who knows? Going to return to a character, oh. not your daughter, but a character named Zoe. Uh-huh. Um, if you remember, yes. Zoe the platypus was uh, one of our, our stars of, of our yes. improv game last year. We played a game called the Alphabet Game, where we had to advance a story using the alphabet A, B, C, all the other letters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know them. Um, alternating back and forth to make the story. Um, and we'll do something similarly. First, I need a few suggestions. First one is a made-up name. Scruffy. Scruffy. Thing essential in your house. Milk cream pies. Oatmeal cream pies. I have not had one of those in a long time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> they're essential for my children <laughs> yeah okay onomatopoeia oi oi <laughs> all right oi <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless that wasn't your actual suggestion oh, that's good we okay. can go with that and a forest creature it doesn't have to be an animal but something that's alive in a forest. Fairy. A fairy. Okay. Okay. So in continuation, I feel like of Zoe the platypus, we are going to chapter two of this story. Oh, gosh. Okay. But at the end of last time when we did the improv game, I mentioned in the past that I'd done the alphabet game in reverse, starting with Z why and then going down in that direction so that's what we'll be doing it's going to be a bit of a mental challenge i will let you know <laughs> oh, that gosh. already good 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 and here is our plot that will we'll advance so this is setting up and then we'll take it um from where this goes based on your suggestions so zoe the platypus is leading her lizard community to planet scruffy in hopes to find a new home as earth has run out of oatmeal cream pies. <laughs> you remember, we met some lizard characters um, <laughs> from last time. But first, their spaceship lands with a loud oi. <laughs> Zoe, Ned, who is a random lizard, who became uh, Zoe's friend, uh, King Tiger, who is the lizard king, and all the other lizards um, from El Paso cautiously exit the spacecraft to see a glowing fairy. Okay, so with that, we're going to go backwards, make a story, but go backwards using um, reverse alphabet. And I can start 
You need pauses? That's fine. I will definitely need them too. Okay, here we go. We, the new leader of the lizards, although scared, took the first step on planet Scruffy to say hello to the glowing fairy. Glowing fairy said, Yeehaw! X rays shot out of the fairy's eyes and blew up the spaceship behind Zoe and all of her lizard pals. Water started seeping out of the spaceship that had just been blown up everywhere. Under all this water and fear, the lizards and Zoe went forward to reply, Yeehaw! Back to the fairy. E, right? No, you. I think we screwed up her alphabet. You right. were V. I screwed. I was V. I okay. screwed up. Okay. All right. So I'm going to you now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Underneath blown up planet seeping water be revealed was lots of algae to eat <laughs> mm. the algae provided plenty of sustenance for the lizards and zoe and they gathered a large pile as a peace offering to the giant glowing fairy uh, snakes came racing to the glowing fairy to eat the algae that they presented to them. Rapidly, the snakes devoured the algae and started to nod their heads in appeasement. Quizzes were then given to the snakes to ask them what about the al algae was the best component upon nutritional analysis. Phosphorus, exclaimed Zoe. <laughs> I'm all about phosphorus, but don't get too attached to it as too much is bad for these legs. My gosh, what will happen to these legs if I eat too much of the algae and the phosphorus it's to make me sick? Never will I let you know, Zoe, said the giant fairy. But if you follow my lead, I can lead you to a new home on planet Scruffy. Excellent. What kind of house can I build on planet Scruffy? Logs. We have plenty of logs here to build your house with. You may choose from several of the trees in the forest behind me. Kings can live in these logs, log houses, Zoe asked. Masters are also welcome, said the fairy. You can bring whoever you would like. Indeed, I have a full court that I must bring to accommodate in these log houses. Therefore, it is best to be inclusive. Hear ye, hear ye, said the king. And he led all of the minstrels and the new lizard queen, who they nominated as the fairy, into their new village. Giraffes, there needs to be space for the giraffes. I love giraffes because they have really interesting circulation in their necks, and I bring them with me everywhere. <laughs> Frank the giraffe. We should make an effigy of him for the night since the first time we have a festival later on. Excellent. Will this be a really big festival where you invite everyone to come? Definitely. We're going to have one killer party on Planet Scruffy. 
cocktails must be served. Bitchin', I love cocktails. <laughs> and then Zoe and all of her lizard's friends proceeded to get pretty crunk, but also were mature about things. And they lived happily ever after. Perfect. That what was happened? hard. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. I'm glad we were able to uh, chit-chat and catch up. Always good to have a deep, heartfelt conversation with you, Laura. And perhaps we will see you in another year. Thank you so much, Ben, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Deeper Than Data. This is why I invited Laura back. When editing this episode, I had several moments of pausing and just listening and nodding. I'm happy I could share this conversation with you, and hopefully you can do the same for others. And if you'd like to support the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every bit helps. A link to the review is in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Deeper Than Data was produced and created by me, Ben Rush, marketing by Jeff Morty, and editing by Julia Nepper. I think this may be our most open. Um, I think this may be our most open conversation. Deeper than data. Little deeper than that. This may be our most open. This may be our most open conversation. This may be our most open. Thank you.